Hit well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson over. Seeing a newspaper, it was USA Today, I think it was back when people used to buy newspapers, and on the cover or on the picture, it was a picture of Matt Bonner guarding Kobe Bryant, and I remember thinking, what a mismatch, because Matt Bonner is my old classmate, he was actually two years behind me at Concord High School. I, too, remember seeing that in the newspaper. I think that I may have uh, borrowed my newspaper from the stand uh, at the Concord Monitor box in the uh, Concord area, and I was just astonished. Honestly, I thought it was uh, a joke. 81 field goal attempts, maybe, but 81 points is just insane. I mean, somebody's only done that once. Prior to that, I think it was like a week before that, they played the Dallas Mavericks, and he had 62 through three quarters, and they benched him for the whole last quarter, so he really could have put up 80 twice in a week. Is that more impressive, through three quarters, you think? I guess it's more impressive, because, well, the 81, he scored 55 in the second half. So, again, he has 26 in the first half, and, of course, probably the other coach is like, well, Kobe's going for 50 again. Well, no big surprise there. And then he ended up just going for 55 in that second half and ended up being 81. But I really would have liked to have seen if he could have gone for 80 a couple of nights in one week. Yeah, I think that performance in three quarters, to me, ends up being more impressive because of the team he faced. You know, the Raptors are not... Uh, an impressive team at all. So the Mavericks are a stronger team. They were back then, at least. And I think that it was a much stronger opponent um, through three quarters. I guess. I don't remember who was on the Mavericks at that time. I don't know if Nash and Nowitzki were there. If it was before that, I really don't remember at that time. But anyways, it was really cool. Again, uh, Kobe Bryant, my all-time favorite basketball player. Been a fan since before he stepped on an NBA court. I remember when he got drafted, I said the Charlotte Hornets just drafted the next Michael Jordan. And everybody called me crazy until uh, he actually kicked it up a notch. And everyone was like, wow, this guy's kind of the closest thing to Jordan we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean... I think I'm known as a LeBron hater to people that know me personally. I think he's amazing. But Kobe is the closest thing that we've ever had to Michael Jordan as far as competitive drive goes. And uh, he is always going to be known as a legend to me. I don't know. I didn't really want to get into a whole lot of the the Kobe and everything like that because it was a few weeks ago. We're trying to tackle the top news stories. But All-Star Weekend, we just had it. Everything was about Kobe. We had a Kobe Lamborghini outside the stadium. The players wore number two and number 24. They renamed the All-Star MVP Award the Kobe Bryant Award. Which I think is the right tribute. You know, some people were talking about making him the logo, which I wouldn't have hated. But I think um, his performances in the All-Star game were uh, things that I remember, things, you know, that I'll cherish, um, you know, forever. So I think that was the right tribute. I do think he had had multiple All-Star game MVPs. So I think it definitely is fitting, kind of like the Bill Russell trophy is the NBA Finals trophy. Same idea, Kobe was the MVP of the All-Star game so often that just it's fitting to name him the All-Star MVP trophy. I didn't like the idea when people threw out the idea of changing the logo. I didn't like that idea. Not because I'm against change. I'm not one of those old guys, although I'll sound like it in some of these other topics. Uh, I just didn't like the idea of changing it to Kobe because as much as I love him, why would we change it to him? If you're going to change it to any logo, it would be the Jumpman logo, I think. Yeah, I think that the Jumpman logo, again, you know, people that know me know me as a Jordan lover, but that logo already stands out on its own. I think if you want a shooter's logo for the NBA, you got to make that Steph Curry. But I think leaving it as Jerry West is the right idea, um, the right decision, because, you know, for some folks these days, they still need that connection um, to that era of basketball. And, you know, if Jerry West can be that to some people, you know, when they look at the logo and they they Google it or they ask Siri, hey, who's the NBA logo? They're going to find out something. And uh, he's a legend in his own right back, you know, with the Lakers. So I think it was the right decision to keep it. Not to get uh, too far down in a sidetrack, but I do think Jerry West is one of the more underrated players of all time. You look at his stats, the guy 
put up 35 a game multiple seasons. He was unstoppable. The thing I think is most funny is whenever people crap on LeBron James for his finals record, I point out that Jerry West is called Mr. Clutch, and he was 1-10 in 10 in the finals. Yes, and uh, wasn't he the only guy on a losing team to get the finals MVP? I believe so, yeah. In the finals, uh, the only member of a losing team to get the MVP. Don't know if it'll ever happen again. They'd rather give it to some guy who averaged 12 points a game. And the closest Is that I can... Andre Iguodala uh, hit there? No, I think that because that's a great example of uh, where I thought LeBron James in that finals where they lost to Golden State was the MVP of the finals. I think he averaged 37 and a triple-double. I'll but, agree. Yeah, it was the most amazing final. And I, I love Michael Jordan as well. That LeBron James against Golden State was the greatest individual performance I'd ever seen in a finals. Put that entire team and city on his back. But they came up short. I still thought he should have gotten the MVP award. But again, so let's get back to NBA All-Star Weekend. That's kind of like where we started off here. Kobe tributes, I liked them. You know, what do you think about the, the format where they changed the game so that it's like you play three separate games, essentially, and then that fourth quarter, you have to add 24 points to the higher score. Seems kind of confusing, but basically if it's 100 to 80, then the first team to get to 124 wins. Yeah, so so coming in, I had some misconceptions about it. I thought that they were going to essentially reset the score each time, and so I didn't like it at all. After seeing it play out, I didn't hate it. I think that, you know, it was cute once. It's not something that I'd love to see continue going forward. You know, again, one of those, you know, extracurricular uh, Kobe tributes that, you know, we can have happen because of the time that, you know, the closeness to the uh, unfortunate event, the tragedy, but uh, not something that I would love to see go forward at all. Yeah, I think if anything, I like the fact that they tried something different. I like that they're always trying stuff out, see what works. They really have to with the NBA All-Star Weekend. It's probably one of the most unwatchable uh, weekends at this point. You know, uh, the Pro Bowl is uh, up there as well, but the NBA has to do something. You know, the fans, you know, seem to find some way, shape, or form to crap on it after each year, and, and here I am doing the same. Yeah, the game itself, I think, is much to be desired, and it always will be just because of what it is, but I don't want to say... Lack of competitiveness? Yeah, I just don't want to say the whole weekend, though, is shot, because if anything... I I think that three-point skills competition, the dunk contest, I'll put that up against a home run derby all day. It, it is fun. I, I'm I'm actually really sick of people saying that it's not good anymore. You know, without the mega stars that it could have and that honestly it used to have in the dunk contest, it has had a, a couple years recently where it's been really making a, a mark in history. Um, Aaron Gordon has been a part of that recently in those years, but Yeah, I mean, the dunk contest itself, I'll I'll agree, it's one of those things that gets crapped on a lot and certainly should not. And getting into the weekend in general, because I don't want to spend too much time uh, on the All-Star game, but let's get into the weekend and all those events I just mentioned that come along with it for the full weekend. Starting on Friday, we have the Rising Stars game. Team USA beats the world by 20, 151-131. I thought much like their older brother's game, if that's what I'll call it, no defense, alley-oops and three-pointers galore, guys chucking it up from half court. It's kind of sickening in a way, and especially how the, the last minute of the game, it turned into like, who could do the better dunks, and they were giving it to each other to see who could put on a dunk contest yeah i uh, i recently bought a zion williamson jersey and so i was excited to um watch this you know watch highlights of it and honestly i was sickened to see that instead of him being in the dunk contest part of the game was him whiffing on about five to six in a row dunks and the crowd loved it which is insane to me why isn't this game as competitive as, as these attempted dunks? I understand it's just a an exhibition game. And this is where we sound like old guys, right? I don't want to be that old guy that's like, back in my day, we played defense. Because they never really played defense in the All-Star game. It's a showcase. But it has gotten less and less and less defensive to the point that, again, we'll get to the All-Star game. But I always feel like two, three years from now, they're just going to be doing five-on-zero practices each quarter. Because that's a little defense they play. They're not doing that already. They, at least people stand around and watch the other player dunk it. So the Rising Stars, I'll say my take, what, what I took out of it, is that watching it, seeing the highlights, two things. Luka Doncic and Trey Young are absolutely amazing. Uh, the best players on the sophomore team and within the top 10 in the league, I'd say right now. They're incredible. And I, even when Trey Young came out of college, this is another guy who... He's the only player in the history of the NCAA to lead the nation in scoring and assists in the same year. So this guy was a beast coming out of school. And Dodgett, watching him shoot the ball, he looks like he's Ray Allen out there. Wow, are the Sacramento Kings kicking themselves. Well, I wonder, too, because people will talk about who got the better end of the deal with Atlanta and, and Dallas. I think it's a wash, to be honest with you. I'd take either one of those guys. Personally, as a favorite of mine, I like Trey Young. He's, he's a guy I like. But either one, I think you'd be happy with either one of those guys. Yeah, not even to be uh, the contrarian here, Wayne, but I personally like Luka Doncic better. He's a little bit bigger. He'll get you more rebounds, but... I, 
I don't know, I just... I actually call Trey Young, and I've called him this on the FBAS page, which has drawn some ire, as Steph Curry 2.0, meaning a better version of Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, you know, Max Kellerman, um, you know, is uh, making a career off trying to either, you know, call something, you know, too early or, or too late. And it sounds like you may be squatting on this Trey Young tape. So, I mean, he's certainly amazing right now, but to call him Steph Curry 2.0. It, it, it's it's a bit early in my opinion, but we'll we'll continue to see. I mean, that Hawks team is going to grow around him. He is a very very fun player, and uh, I'm a fan. Just uh, not ready to put him quite on that pedestal yet. Yeah, I'm not saying career wise. I just think that when you look at their skill set in, in year one, year two, year three, he's light years ahead of where Steph Curry was in year two. As the ballsy shooters, they are right up there, neck and neck. Going from the uh, Rising Stars game, we get into the skills competition. I'll be honest with you. So watching this, and see, I have some notes here. I just wanted to go over watching this skills competition. Was uh, Bam Adebayo? Whatever his name is. Yeah, we'll just call him Bam. Yeah. I've never heard of this guy. Have you looked at him? He is a Dwight Howard cl- uh, clone. Uh, he has the shoulders, the face, the goatee. He looks so much like Dwight Howard. I It shocks me. But yes, I mean, he's within, you know, one of the superstars that Miami's trying to build around right now with Jimmy. Yeah, you think he looks like Dwight Howard. I thought he kind of looked like Popeye Jones. He's got kind of like that Shrek look to him. I didn't think he was a Dwight Howard. Oh, no. Popeye. That's one of my favorite guys to bring up in FBAS. Yeah, well, he's just a a gorgeous man. And I think that uh, that's who Bam kind of reminds me of. But yeah, so we had the skills competition. He wins it. Um, some of the notes I had here watching the skills competition was uh, if I had to pick before it started, I probably would have picked Pascal Siakam because he just has that all-around game. I would have picked – and I think he was a finalist. No, it was uh, Sabonis was the other finalist. It was, yeah. Which, I mean, you kind of have to have that, you know, inside-outside game, you know, to win these things. We've seen guys who have struggled with one aspect of it or not because you have to have, you know, the ability, you know, to do things inside and shoot the ball outside. Now, Sabonis watching the skills competition, again, watching them run up and down the floor, he looked really slow. He's a big gassed, you know, he's uh, he's like Nikola Jokic. He gets gassed pretty easy. He just looked husky fella. Yeah, I guess he's like his dad, but I just thought he just looked slow compared to even going up against Middleton, who's also slow. It was like a slow contest. Three-point contest, uh, again, getting into that part of the weekend, I'd say I've never liked the, the rack of the money balls. I don't like that. I like the four regular balls, one money ball. I did like the, the Mountain Dew ball, though. Yeah, they seem to change that up a little bit each time, too, which which I don't hate. It's always nice, you know, getting a chance to see the absolute snipers in the league. And, you know, Buddy Heald won it this year, and... uh Nice for him to get some shine. It sounds like, you know, he's not getting the opportunities he'd love in Sacramento, so it was nice to him to kind of bring home some hardware and, you know, at least enjoy his weekend. You know what's funny about Buddy Heald, too, is that he kind of took over... No, I'm sorry. Buddy Heald was the point guard. He leaves. Trey Young comes in as the point guard of Oklahoma. And it's right around the same time that we have Baker Mayfield. He leaves and uh, Murray comes in. Yeah, and right after him is Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts, too. We'll get into Jalen Hurts. I really like him, because we're going to get into the combine a little bit. But yeah, so I definitely, the three-point contest, I like the the new Mountain Dew ball from way deep. I do like that. Don't like the rack of money balls. Loved watching Trey Young shoot. I could, I could just watch him shoot for days. I mean, definitely expected to see Devin Booker towards the end of that three-point contest, too. I mean, he is one of the best shooters in the league, one of the best scorers in the league, and he's roasted the Celtics in this area, Um, and he's doing wonderful things for a Phoenix team that still needs so, so much. Now, say, when I was watching uh, Devontae Green shoot, I mean, he was airballing it. He was hitting the side of the backboard. He was hitting nothing but the backboard. And I thought, what is this guy doing in the contest? You know, it's situational, and sometimes it's desperation. Who wants to have, you know, that, that light shining bright on them during the weekend? I guess. And then you had uh, Bertans, is Bertrand, whatever his name it's, is. It's Bertans. Yeah. Bertans. Okay, yeah. So he comes from Washington. Watching him as an in-game shooter, he is lights out. But just for some reason, this competition just didn't really turn it on. Again, I think when the lights shine brightest um, and, and it's just on them on the court, you know, it, they really can't do it. Maybe some people need to be guarded. I guess. I didn't like Zach Levine in the three-point contest. Thought he would have should have been the dunk contest. A hundred percent. You know, especially with Aaron Gordon going in, you thought that was going to be a one, you know, a one and done. You know, one was going to say they were in and the other one was going to be right in following suit. So it was kind of a bit of a letdown that Levine wasn't, especially with him not making it to the finals of the three-point contest. Yeah, I just thought that... Dunk contest competition is that Neek versus Jordan, right? The the rivals. Especially with their previous dunk contest being put up on that plateau, you know, up there with honestly the best of all time, which to me is the, the dunk contest with Vince Carter, T-Mac, and Steve Francis, um, where Vince Carter, you know, absolutely just shut it down. But, you know, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine have put on an absolute show, and it would have been nice to see a sequel. Did you see the uh, practice dunks that Levine was doing? 
everybody was doing practice dunks all weekend, so I'm sure I saw it, you know, in highlights, but I, I can't remember his specifically. But it would be nice to see him and Zion in the dunk contest as opposed to whiffing him in in-game opportunities. Yeah, I guess so. Levine was practicing. He didn't make any of them, but they showed three attempts. He was doing a 360 from the foul line, so I think that's pretty insane. This is my sad face, folks. <laughs> it would be cool to see. Let's get into the dunk contest. First bit of controversy all weekend is... Dwayne Wade. Yeah, it was, did Aaron Gordon get shafted? And my answer is, absolutely not. He did not get shafted. I understand the, the dunk he did from the side of the backboard, where he threw off the side of the backboard into 360... Sick dunk. That's one of my signature dunks. I'm going to remember that for a long time. It's, it's going to be one of those dunks that, you know, in a highlight reel of dunks, it's going to be on there. But the culmination of Derek Jones Jr. dunks were just better, in my opinion. It's not even the culmination. It's that his final dunk. I understand he jumped over Taco Fall, who's 7'5". What a fan favorite, huh? Yeah, but the problem is, like, there were nine dunks in that contest where somebody jumped over another guy who put the ball on the back of his neck. It was the same dunk we saw eight other times. And I understand it's extremely difficult. Like I said, Taco 7-5, so it's a very difficult dunk, but you don't necessarily get graded on the difficulty, it's how pretty it looks. Vince Carter's first dunk in that 2000 uh, dunk contest that you mentioned, which was the reverse 360 windmill, it's really not that difficult a dunk compared to what they do now, but it looked amazing. Oh, he knew how to make that pretty. You know, he knew that every camera was going to be watching him, and he made every single one of them get a very big paycheck. I mean, the you know, it's how you kick your feet, it's how you move your arms, it's very much like ballroom dancing and how you hold your form. More so than how difficult the dance itself is. When you show the dunk, actually, that Aaron Gordon should have saved for that final round was the uh, reverse between the legs, two-hand reverse dunk was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you know, my favorite Derek Jones Jr. dunk was the one where he went off the backboard, threw his legs over somebody. Well, the guy who he jumped over threw it off the backward form, right? He did, yeah. That makes so, it, I mean, that, that, it It does make it harder because you have no control over that. And so I think that one, you know, you did mention people jumping over people. And I guess, you know, how much harder can you make dunks? You know, we, we asked that, but then we see some off-the-wall off, off the wall dunks. But it seems like the uh, jumping over somebody does seem to be overused. But that was one that I feel like um, deserved the title on its own was the having somebody else direct going off the backboard, going over him. And then through your legs, that's that's unmatched right now. Well, the other the one he did between his legs was the between the legs 360, which was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, he, he certainly deserved the title. I think Dwayne Wade got, you know, some some hate in social media for, you know, his score of that, you know, maybe some homerism. But I think, you know, someone who's not stuck in the moment and who can really appreciate every aspect of the dunk contest, uh, Derek Jones Jr. had the better contest. I think so, too. I think that it was the right choice, and I don't know what the controversy is. Anybody who thinks Aaron Gordon should have won that is, I guess, for lack of a better word, wrong. Again, bring Zach Levine back to the dunk contest next year. And Zion's got to be in it. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the power he comes down in, um, the, I don't want him to fall in line with you know LeBron as far as the, the greatest pregame you know, warm-up dunker of all time. Put those dunks to good use, baby. Let me see that. Jay Morant, too. John Morant, too, right? Oh, I mean, he already said that he wouldn't, and I don't know if that's just based on, you know, the initial response of the judging, but I at least want, I love him as a rookie, him and, and Zion are phenomenal, but I would love to see, you know, Zion, Zach Levine, Derek Jones Jr., and Aaron Gordon. That, that's a quartet that would be one for the ages. We definitely didn't need Dwight Howard in it. We didn't, but that one dunk that he had of him, you know, doing a 360 reverse and staring down those judges in the beginning of the dunk contest, that's when I remembered. It sounds like he had something nice, you know, for Kobe, but, you know, he, a, a novelty item is what he was. Uh, getting to the uh, the game itself, so the All-Star game, we, we teased it a little bit, we talked a little bit about it. I watched enough of it to see that, again, no defense, lobs galore. Half-court shots, and I mean half-court shots with seven, eight minutes to go in the quarter. And I guess there's really, it's a risk-reward, right? If you miss it, nobody's going to know about it except for the people who watch the game. If you make it, you're on Sports Center the next day. So there's really no downside, I guess, to taking that. Yeah, I remember an All-Star game back in the day, and maybe you can, you know, better direct me or, or answer who it was. But I think it was either Vince or T-Mac that went off the backboard. It could have even been Kobe off the backboard to themselves in a, in a dunker layup in the All-Star game. And the crowd went nuts because, honestly, we hadn't really seen that too often. And now it seems like that's always these open lanes and that. But it was someone coming down the lane. They lobbed it off themselves and they finished with a layup or a dunk. And it was just something you hadn't seen often enough for it to be boring. And now the All-Star game to me is 
boring. All-Star Weekend, I wouldn't put as boring, but this game to me isn't something that I tune in for. It's just, it's a lack of competitiveness at all. I know you're not going to pay guys, you know, enough to have them go all out in a game um, where it doesn't matter in, in the wins and loss column, but I'm just, I'm sick of the, you know, the open lanes and the staring. Yeah, I don't, yeah, flexing, the pounding the chest, but really it's globetrotterish for me, which is the, like you said, off the backboard to yourself, but then you throw it to a guy who throws it behind his back up in the air to another guy puts it between his legs and back off the backboard again to another guy and I'm like is anybody going to play basketball like, leave, that, just... leave that stuff for my video games please yeah everybody just standing around it's like uh, what was it like NBA jams right? yeah I mean well there was one you know NBA Live maybe where they, you, they allowed you to do some crazy off the wall stuff but it was like again leave it for my video games I don't want to see that in real life I don't want to see a ton of missed dunks and, and I don't want to see a ton of missed dunks within my all-star games I don't want to you know, get off on a sidetrack, but we do have nothing but time. Talking about games, I will say NBA Live 95, I want to say. I remember you could create up to 30 players, and there were certain players that were embedded in the game because I think the or maybe it was 96. So like Kobe Bryant wasn't in the game. But if you typed in the name Kobe Bryant, it filled in all of the categories. So it was like out of high school, number 33, and it just filled everything in, all the stats, attributes, everything. And I used him all the time. What system was that on, Grandpa? I think it was uh, the Sega Genesis, and uh, Sega. Yeah. and the uh, the cool thing about that game was there was a spot right around the elbow of the foul line where if you used Shaquille O'Neal and you took off from that spot, he would shatter the backboard, and he was the only player in the game that could shatter the backboard. You had to take off from there. I did it three times in one game. Oh, I would definitely do that. Better. Yeah, so uh, Shaquille O'Neal, it's, it's funny too to see uh, him and Kobe are best friends, or they were, you know, right before everything, um, knowing their history. And same thing with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's like, oh, Kobe was my guy. I'm like, Kobe hated you, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it was kind of kind of different to see how crushed Shaq was. But I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where maybe you, you tell people you made amends because you feel so guilty because you weren't able to. And you, maybe you expected to have that opportunity someday in the future. Nobody expected Kobe to go at this point. So it's one of those things where maybe you, you mean for some things to happen. You mean to mend those fences and you don't. But um, those are guys that we remember. Um, at least Shaq, we remember having, you know, phenomenal um, memories of Kobe and Shaq in game. Ending up our NBA segment, I guess. Talk about some of the predictions for the end of the year. Still kind of early. I'm thinking NBA Finals, and I'm going Celtics-Lakers. So uh, I've actually got Conference Finals, and this is one I I wanted to bring up because I know how much of a Lakers fan you are, Wayne. Lakers-Clippers is my Western Conference Finals. Is that yours as well? Is that how you expected the Lakers to get there? I guess because, I mean, who else is it really going to be? Houston, you got a couple of ball hogs. Uh, I don't know. I guess L.A. would probably just be the best matchup for L.A. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think anyone can beat the Lakers with Davis and LeBron. I just They look unbeatable. Yeah, I mean, you know, more recently, playoff Paul has looked playoff bad. But that's my Western Conference matchup, and I've got the Lakers advancing. Eastern Conference matchup, I have the Bucks and the Celtics. That sounds right. I and I thought about having the Bucks, but I just don't think they can get past the Celtics. I've I've got the Bucks. I honestly think people are taking them for granted right now. They've they're stepping on everybody's necks. Who's got the best record in the league right now, Wayne? I believe it's the Bucks. It would be the Bucks. So they are stepping on everybody's necks, and people are overlooking them. Um, you know, you obviously have you know your yellow shades on right now, but I've got the Bucks getting into the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I'm sorry, the NBA Finals, and then the Lakers winning that game. So we've got the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Celtics, Lakers beating the Clippers. Who do you got winning the whole thing? I do have the Lakers over the Bucks in the NBA Finals. I think it's going to probably be about five to six games. I don't know if the Bucks have what it takes uh, outside of Giannis and Chris Middleton, and the Lakers just seem to be an unstoppable machine. How do you feel about LeBron James getting the fourth championship? It stings, but he's he's earned it. You know, he's played so much better at this age than I want him to, than I thought he would. Him and AD have been phenomenal. They have some crazy length and depth on that team. So, obviously, still some time to go, but they seem like the front runners, and they seem like the team that I would have holding the trophy at the very end. Is LeBron the MVP of the league? Uh, no. Harden? Really? James Harden again? Even though his team's not that great? Dude's averaging like 35 a game. Yeah, LeBron's averaging, what, 26 and uh, 10 and a half assists. He's leading the league in assists. You know, Harden's probably sniffing right around there too, but that's nine points. I mean, I know he earns his points in a different way, but I, I, I honestly don't know who I'd have as my MVP right now. It's probably more of an up-in-the-air race, but um, LeBron's certainly in the conversation for sure. Yeah, I know early on I thought Anthony Davis uh, was the MVP, but he's kind of tailed off a little bit. LeBron's taken over the team, taken over the whole West. And part of me would like to see that MVP award because would I give him six? 
five, five of these. Uh, I mean, I want to say five. You want to say six. You yeah. know, we'll, we'll we'll round up and say six. If the, you know, if he were to win this year, I'd give him six. I wonder if that would give him more than Jordan. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm starting to evolve into one of those, you know, di- different eras. You know, you, you got to have a great player for each era as opposed to, you know, one greatest of all time. I don't think I can ever evolve into that because, for me, I have the greatest player of all time is Will Chamberlain. That's you, his... you, you think he's, you know, I, I think, you know, he's transitional. He could step in in today's game. He could step in in today's game. He very much reminds me of almost like a Dwight Howard type player, if Dwight Howard were somehow transported back to 1959, you'd have Wilt Chamberlain. But I think Wilt was a lot better. I think people don't give him credit. I think a lot of arguments you hear against him are like, well, you played against guys who were 6'5". Well, so did Shaquille O'Neal. He just didn't guard them. Wilt Chamberlain played against centers who were 6'11", 7 feet, 7'2". There was a guy 7'2 in the league back then. He played against uh, Russell, who was 6'9". I mean, it wasn't a bunch of farmers that he was playing against. He was playing against legit NBA centers. He just was way better than all of them. Yeah, I mean, definitely a, a less competitive league, but I will definitely always have Wilt amongst my top ten. Yeah, just I know that's disrespectful to, to some folks who would have him top one. Well, I think that he is the greatest of all time just based on domination. It's like if you say, who's the greatest baseball player of all time? You can put Barry Bonds in the conversation. I have it as Babe Ruth. And so Babe Ruth played in a segregated Teddy era. Teddy Williams. Uh, Teddy Williams wasn't even close. His defense was very horrible. Looks like Carmelo Anthony is the best player in the NBA history because he's a great offensive player. How many gold gloves does the, the Babe have? Uh, it doesn't matter how many he has because he's a much better hitter than Ted Williams. The uh, self-proclaimed, I think, greatest hitter of all time, or Boston proclaimed. Have you seen that red chair? Is, isn't it a red chair that they have in, in the seats in Fenway? Oh, they have a painted red chair, so I guess that he must be the best then. I'm, I stand corrected. I he realize, hit that. I didn't realize they painted a chair. That's, that's so, I'm totally wrong. Babe Ruth isn't the best. Thank you for correcting me. Open and shut case, Johnson. Babe Ruth, Bolt Chamberlain, two best of all time. Anyways, that, as I said, I have the Lakers beating the Celtics four games to one. Also, LeBron James uh, getting that fourth championship. Yeah, I mean, that would be good for nostalgia's sake to every once in a while have that greatest rivalry of all time brought back into the forefront, but I'm just not sure the Celtics have that team yet. I would love to see them win, as long as it's not against the Lakers. I love Brad Stevens as a coach, and I still remember that when he was hired, uh, I was working at Lowe's, actually. One of the other sales guys came over to me and said, hey, did you hear that uh, Celtics uh, hired Brad Stevens as the head coach? And I immediately said, excellent hire. That is a fantastic hire, and he is not disappointed. Well, I think a ton of people question the, you know, collegiate going to the NBA route because it it has only succeeded once or twice. I mean, you've got Larry Brown, you've got Brad Stevens, Rick Pitino to a point. But I mean, you know, you know you, the, the list gets very, very small. And then when you think of the guys who have failed, Billy Donovan, most recently John Beeline, you've got a, a list of guys who have come up and just not succeeded at all. Well, Billy Donovan has a better winning percentage than Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens came in and didn't have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook on his team. Right, well, you just said that Billy Donovan was a failure, and now we're going with, like, even though he's got a winning percentage, it's do, better do, than Brad do, Stevens. Do people think about him? I mean, now now that Kevin Durant has, has left that team, Russell Westbrook has left that team, I mean, honestly, I couldn't have told you that Billy Donovan was still in the league as the an, an NBA coach. I think is all right. What surprised me is when you're talking about success of collegiate to NBA, I'm surprised you didn't mention Chuck Daly. I honestly didn't know he coached in the college days. I mean, you know, when I became a Pistons coach, it was when Larry Brown was there. And I know that he is the only guy to win a championship at both levels. So that's why he was the guy that was on the tip of my tongue, but didn't know that Chuck Daly coached, you know, coached collegiately. I see. You know, maybe that's because I'm hearing trumpets and drums. That is that a bandwagon I hear? There's a bandwagon out there. Yeah, I jumped on as soon as they uh, beat down that Lakers team in 04. Uh, right after winning the championship, I see. Like becoming a Golden State fan three years ago. But anyways, so I think Brad Stevens is a great coach. I think that whether I'd like to see him win a championship just to kick that hole. College coaches can't do it because even today, I still I would love to see Shaka Smart get a job in the NBA. I think he'd do really well. Yeah, I mean, I like that move to Texas when he made it. Still, uh, I think it's tough to bring that team, you know, whether it's basketball or football, back up to the front burner. But I, too, think that, you know, he's a guy I would have loved to have seen take over for Roy Williams years ago. But I think he could also make that jump, and time would tell if he'd be successful at it. So those are NBA predictions, I guess, for the finals. Uh, I didn't really get any, like, individual award type stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking more more team-related stuff, you know, thinking just Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, and who you got holding that trophy at the very end. Although, I would say I'd love to see Zion Williamson win the Rookie of the Year, mainly because it, I don't know if it was on FBAS, but I definitely talked to a lot of people through social media who thought that this guy was going to be a bust because of how big he is. And I said, this guy's a legit stud. 
I think some people had the fear that he would continue to get larger and larger and maybe play himself out of the league and out of position um, once he got to the league or, you know, in a couple of years. But he has certainly impressed. He's a phenomenal guy. My favorite aspect of him is not his highlight dunks or, or you know, some of his passes or blocks. It's how efficient he is. Folks, you know, when you're looking at this guy's box scores, he's missing less than five or six shots every game. You know, he's... He is so, so efficient, and he's not just dunking. He's got range. Um, he's got some moves. He is my favorite young player in the league, and the guy that I think is probably going to end up winning the award because he's playing more of the season in John Morant is my second favorite young player in the league. I think John Morant's going to win because he's doing some very fun and awesome things in Memphis. Fun, awesome, and Memphis usually aren't said in the same sentence, but that's happening down there. So I'd have uh, Ja 1 and Zion 2. I think the steal of the draft is going to be Cam Reddish in Atlanta. I think the guy can shoot the lights out. Uh, he comes from Duke, which means he's a solid defender. I don't think he's found his stride yet, but I think that he was the 10th overall pick, and I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy that everyone's going to be like, why didn't he go 4 or 5? Yeah, him, John Collins, and Trey Young are, are phenomenal young three right now. Well, who's the, the guy from Texas Tech they got, too? Though? Or, was uh, it, or was it Virginia? They drafted one of those guys. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know they've had some early draft picks, so they're continuing to stockpile some super young players. Um, that are full of potential. So it's going to be a scary team. You know, again, in an East team where, or in an East conference where I can only think of two to three teams that are going to compete, it's theirs for the taking in a couple of years. I guess we'll wrap up the NBA there. Let's, let's get into Major League Baseball. This is going to be your favorite topic. So I'm going to put the buzz, question out there. Buzz, buzz. Is, is that some buzzing I hear? Are you wearing a, a buzzer? Is there some trash can yeah. noises going on? I'm going to put the question out there to you. And we'll go from here, but I know we've already touched on it a little bit, which is, here's my question. Feel free to answer it for all the sports fans on FBAS and everywhere else in the world. Why is this still a story? Because Rob Manfred fumbled it. Uh, He didn't do the right thing. We should have seen players get suspended. I don't think that titles should be vacated. I think that's a real, real slippery slope. But I think that players who were involved should have been investigated. They should have been suspended if found guilty. But this seemed to have been wrapped up way too quick, way too nicely for that Houston organization. And uh, it rubbed uh, fans. It rubbed other players the wrong way. I think players within the league have every right to be outspoken about how they feel that was handled. Players outside of the league in other sports, I don't think, should be getting involved in in such things. So I know that I've seen you uh, get a little vocal regarding a certain LeBron James becoming vocal about his opinion. And I I, I share your opinion. I don't think he should be getting involved. But to, uh, you know, surmise your question, it's still a thing because Rob Manfred handled this horribly. You know, we've seen some horrible commissioning jobs done by Gary Bettman, done by Roger Goodell for sure for this being as big of a scandal as it did you know when you can see players stats increasing when you can see championships were won um awards were given praise was given the outrage that's come of it rob manfred did not take the adequate time to handle this he should have said like roger goodell has always said in these things is we're going to take the time to to look at 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 this we're going to let it play itself out and he should have investigated it this thing seemed to be wrapped up way too quick and with a lot of players feeling like it was unresolved a lot of fans feeling like it was unresolved well that's the problem i think that is that people are upset that rob manfred didn't say what does the fan base want me to do instead he said let's take a look at the reality of the situation having played baseball myself maybe not at that level but i stole signs i communicated those signs to my teammates yeah we're not talking about looking at second base here Wayne. i mean i think players around the league would say yeah we all do that just like in uh, you know i hate to bring this connection but the patriots and the cameras every team was doing what they were doing the patriots got caught the houston astros were going above and beyond they involved cameras they involved buzzers they involved a play you know a video room they were going above and beyond in what teams were doing and i think that's what really irks people is this was not the norm i think they used the devices that were available to them like i said i played high school and when i was in high school nobody even had a cell phone so you did you obviously didn't have the the access to devices but you, right. you feel like if there were then it would have been we rampant. absolutely would have used it because my whole thing is teams are always looking for an edge and there's nothing wrong with that even stealing a sign from second base that's the whole reason that catchers have a second or third sign indicator is because they know the guy at second base is stealing the sign 
You should know there's a camera out in center field watching you. Do a better job disguising your signs. The fact that they used iPhones and watches and buzzers and trash cans, it doesn't matter. The catcher did a lousy job disguising his sign calling. It really, it's up to him because players are going to steal signs. The technology that they use to communicate what is going on, I don't really give a crap. It's It's the same either way. It's unlike, you know, most fans to share the opinion that you do. I think it's uh, valid that you played the sport. I can say that I did not, but, you know, I will agree. We're always looking for some bit of competitive advantage. But I think there's a difference between that and if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I do believe if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I've always found loopholes and ways to I've played to basketball with you, Wayne. I know you believe in that. I totally believe in grabbing jerseys, stepping on feet, tripping along the baseline. Anything you can do to get a win. If the ref doesn't see it, it's not a foul. If you punch somebody in the face, it's not a foul. It's only a foul if the ref calls it. Otherwise, it's just basketball. So let me ask you, do you think that the punishment was just? Do you think that it was? was... I think the punishment was overboard. Wow. I think that nobody should have lost their job. I think that it just isn't that big of a deal. I think that, again, fans really wanted to make this a huge deal. They want suspensions and you know titles stripped and postseason bans. People, it's not that big a deal. Media fans and social media certainly do impact the decision-making of uh, owners um, and sports teams and, and companies alike. And it's unfortunate that happens, but that's the day and age that we're in that I think the owners kept hearing their managers' names in the news and they were quick to uh, get rid of them, uh, kind of wipe their hands clean and, and try and put it behind them. But to no avail, the Astros have yet to put this behind them. They kept opening their mouths, now more players opening their mouths, and I would not be doing FBA justice if I did not bring this up. This started in a uh, just a messenger chat between Wayne and myself, but one of the players to speak out was Mr. Mike Trout. He's getting into players shouldn't have opened their mouths. Continue. Mike Trout uh, was uh, quite upset about it, and in, in response to uh, you know me mentioning that Mike Trout uh, can, had kind of spouted off in response, Wayne had said, yeah, a guy whose head keeps getting bigger over the last three years, inferring a bit of PED use? I actually think my exact quote was the poster boy for HGH, so it wasn't even cloaked in any sort of subtlety. See, I, I was trying to just sprinkle a little bit of sugar on there like, like Sugar Bay, but you were not allowing it. No, you went hard. Yeah, the guy who puts on 35 pounds of muscle in one offseason, which, by the way... It's a lot I, of Subway. It's a lot a, of Subway, Wayne. I talk to people who work out for a living. That's what they do is they go to the gym they're like CrossFit nut junkies, right? And I say, hey, how could you put on 35 pounds in one offseason? Just give, give me some ideas. They said steroids. I said, well, what else? Uh, steroids. That's it. Mike Trout did steroids, period. He shouldn't be talking about cheating. He's a cheater. He is this generation's Mickey Mantle. He is a phenomenal player, and I think he had that large noggin when he you know, started coming up with the Angels. He always looked like Hey Arnold with his baseball cap, and he's always been putting down very large Subway sandwiches. I would say that the same people who hid Mickey Mantle's alcohol use are the people who are fans of Mike Trout now hiding his HGH and steroid addiction because that guy got huge quick. It's only done one way and no other way that exists to mankind. He's a cheater. I know someone all like him. He's got a nice smile. He's a cute guy, right? He's a cheater. FBAS. Don't you allow Wayne to get away with calling Mike Trout a steroid user. How about this? Well, we'll do an FBAS draft of the top cheaters, and we'll see probably Barry Bonds, and then Mike Trout will be two. He'll probably have a second overall pick. Really? You think he's going to go before A-Fraud? I don't think he would actually go before Belichick, but he would. <laughs> he's going to be at the top of that list because Mike Trout's a cheater. Anyways, I, I don't want to beat that drum too hard. We did talk about LeBron James running his mouth about the topic, and here's my problem with LeBron James running his mouth is, listen, I, it's okay for him to have an opinion. It's okay for him to voice his opinion and use his platform on social issues. This is my platform. I don't mind him doing that. But he's talking about baseball, and I hate to say, stay in your lane. But you know what? Sometimes LeVar Ball's right. Stay in your lane. It's not your sport. You don't understand. I don't know if LeBron James likes to think that he's the czar of sports, and he should comment on everything. He's the king. You know what I'd like to hear LeBron James comment on? I'd like to hear him comment on somebody tweeting playoff mode activated and then losing six games in a row. Zero dark 30. He might have some, you know, he might have some insight into that. But as far as baseball goes, I don't want to hear his mouth. And I understand that guys talk. Like I said, he can have the opinion that the, the Astros should be stripped. That's fine. Don't say it in a press conference. Just say, listen, it's not my sport. I'm not really going to talk about it. But go ahead and talk about it behind closed doors. That's fine. Yeah, the fact that he tweeted the balls in your court just shows how out of place he is and his opinions are. You can't stand the guy, and you wonder why you hate him. Perfect example. Go on my Facebook uh, page. It showed me my memory from this day, however many years ago. 
And it was LeBron James quoting. I said, why do people hate LeBron James? So, so fitting that this was from several years ago on this date. I said, why do people hate LeBron James? And the quote was, I'm too important to keep quiet or something like that. I'm too important to the world to keep quiet. Oh, yeah. I mean, he won't be denied. I mean, he wouldn't be doing his due service if he didn't tell everybody how he felt about things like his receding hairline. And I really want to like him. I really try to like him. You know what it's like? It's like female comedians. I want to think they're funny. I really do. But they're not funny. No matter how much I want to laugh, I can't. Sorry, Rosie O'Donnell. Lisa Lampanelli. Yeah, that's exactly who LeBron James is. He is Rosie O'Donnell, Lisa Lampanelli. He's Joan Rivers now because he's 80 years old. But he's not funny. He, I don't want to hear his take on any sport other than basketball. And even then, I don't want to hear that take. Get him! All right, let's take it back to the diamond here and something a little bit closer to home. We got the Mookie Betts trade. I know that that stung for me initially. Uh, Wayne, how did you feel about Mookie Betts leaving the Red Sox and going to the Dodgers? I'm not a diehard Red Sox fan like I am a Patriots fan, so it didn't really hurt me on a personal level. So I was able to look at it almost through non-rose-colored glasses and say, business, they got, business. Yeah, they got a good return. I mean, they got rid of David Price, thank goodness. They dumped that salary so they could make the Will Myers trade and add a couple prospects there. So really, they ended up with two or three solid prospects out of the Mookie Betts trade. Dombrowski, the former, you know, I would say GM, you know, vice player of personnel, whatever his legitimate baseball title was, the guy pillages farm systems wherever he goes. That's been his MO. And so when he came here to Boston, that's what he did. And so we had no farm system, no development. And so in this trade with the Dodgers, who, thank you, LA, you seem to always help the Red Sox out of their problems, whether it's with Manny Ramirez or it's with Adrian Gonzalez, you have always been there to help us out of our financial problems. So thank you so much. I actually like David Price uh, a bit towards the end there. You know, his his playoff performance, I like that he finally, you know, got a ring with us. But overall, business is business. And we needed to get rid of some money so we could, you know, continue to compete and uh, help fill up those, uh, those positions uh, of need for the long term. And again, I like the return. Two players that were amongst the LA Dodgers, you know, farm system, you know, uh, elites. So I'm not mad about it at all. Obviously, we're going to have to see it play out. But this year, I'd say, you know, at least this year, potentially plus, is a transition period for the Red Sox. You know, it's not going to be, we're not going for the wins record this year, boys. It's going to be, let's go see Chris Sale pitch his heart out until August when he can't pitch anymore like he's done with the Sox. He's probably my favorite pitcher in baseball to watch for two reasons. One, he doesn't let any of the outside stuff bother him. David Price let everything bother him. And secondly, if you watch Chris Sale pitch, he is throw a pitch, get it back, throw a pitch. get. He doesn't need a pitch clock. He gets right to it. Yeah, there's all business. And I think that because he came from the Chicago White Sox where you had Burley as a classic, you know, get it done, stop dilly-dallying. And I think Burley instilled that in all the pitchers in that bullpen or in that. Mark Burley's a very underrated pitcher as well. You know, got some no-hitters and I think maybe a perfect game on his record, so... Always going to go down as an underrated fellow. But, uh, yeah, overall, I like the trade. Never easy to see a guy of Mookie's stature leave here. I got a T-shirt with his face on it, so that will be weird whenever I, I wear that. As far as, you know, the baseball season, you know, we're here in the old. The pitchers and catchers are, are coming. So, you know, we'll get into more of that hopefully with the next episode. But, uh, yeah, Mookie Betts is the biggest news that we've got here on, on the New England front. Did you have any more baseball news for us, Wayne? Nothing really for baseball. Nothing really is uh, transpiring. I don't see uh, another big trade yet. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. I, I've talked with people. I think I don't know if it's on FBAS, but we talked about salary cap always comes up every year when you see the big contracts being signed. I would be in favor of a salary contract, even though it's a communist idea. I would be in favor of it as long as there's a salary floor. And I think that's the only way it works. But really, the only way it works in Major League Baseball, believe it or not, the reason there won't ever be a salary cap isn't because the players won't agree to it. It's because the owners won't agree to revenue sharing, which is essential in a salary cap. Yeah, I, I think the um, all the different levels of the farm system, um, the way the, the draft and free agency is handled, you know, that's all so complex that it's something that, I guess, you know, allows it to sit in its own sandbox, its own, you know, rule box, I guess. But uh, it, it's different for sure. Um, I wouldn't hate to see that. One of the names that, you know, you hear disgruntledness about, I guess, in the league now is Nolan Arnato, the third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. He's probably going to go down as, as one of the better third basemen of all time, certainly of this era. And uh, it sounds like he may be on, on the move uh, in the coming uh, weeks, months, um, certainly this season. No, definitely see how that works out. Really not a lot for baseball. Uh, we want to get into the world sport. No, not soccer. The most popular sport in the world. I said not soccer. Football. We're gonna Football? Talk, we're going to talk about... Real football, not Nancy, you know, football from over across the pond. Like, American, we beat you Redcoats football. Are we playing footy? 
I wanted to start off kind of with the XFL, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've watched like seven, eight minutes of a game. Couldn't stand it. I really didn't watch enough to even really give any sort of anything on it. I just I didn't really get into it. So I'll say that I've seen three games of the eight games so far. Two of those eight have been the DC Defenders. Before the league started, I kind of looked at the eight rosters, the eight jersey colors. Um, I know that's probably um, a silly, superficial way to kind of pick a, a favorite team, if you can even have a favorite team in an eight-team league that's going to be developmental like this. But the DC Defenders have uh, Cardale Jones at quarterback. They have their coach is Pep Hamilton, who used to coach uh, for the Colts and be offensive coordinator for the Colts. So, I mean, they've got the most recognizable names. Uh, it's the first year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little patient. I'm gonna give it some time and see how it works out. But defenders are two and zero. You know they've lived up to their name and had a very stout defense. Um, they are the first and only team to score in all three phases of the game so far. Is it as clean and crisp as the NFL? No. Is the NFL clean and crisp? No. Is it something where I'm going to give it the time? Yeah, I think it's worth it. I think it's not as gimmicky as it used to be. I think anybody who who's not giving it the time of day now is um, potentially, for some, for some portion of that, probably due to the fact that they're thinking it's going to be like it used to be. Very gimmicky, very entertainment, very WWF. It's not. You know, this, this has been a lot like the NFL game that we've grown to know and love. I think the few, the few rule changes or advancements that they've made, you know, in particular is the fact that when you score a touchdown, you have an opportunity to go for one, three, or five points. And that is based on where you decide to take the try from. And so far, we've seen a mix of it, and I think that what that does, not only does it excite betting fans, but it, it allows fans to know that, you know, games aren't going to be over um, as easily as, you know, you think. You know, in an NFL game, two touchdown lead to, to some teams is, you know, you're done, you over, turn off the TV. But in the XFL, I think it allows for some fun, some excitement, and some potential uh, for some comebacks that maybe weren't there in leagues before. Transitioning from the XFL, I don't have a whole lot, but we're talking about gimmicky. What do you think about the rule or the proposed rule? I like it, and and I've defended it. The NFL wanted to implement where instead of an onside kick, the team that just scored would get the ball on a fourth and fifteen on their own twenty-five. It's almost like a make it take it in the NFL. You 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 score and it's fourth and fifteen, so you're not forced to punt. So if if you make it, are you still allowed to keep the ball? Yeah, the way it works. So basically, it's fourth and fifteen. You get sixteen yards. You just keep the ball and keep going. If you don't get it, then the other team gets the ball, basically twenty yards away or twenty five yards away. Uh, certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. I think that you know one of the things that the XFL um, has going for it right now is their improvement on the kickoff. If you do take the time to watch that. They've changed it and they've improved it, and um, I think that studies have shown that more injuries happen on the kickoff or, or special teams plays than any other play in football. So continuing to try and improve that so that we can see more exciting players for longer amounts of time is not a bad idea at all. I like that uh, advancement. Now, continuing into the NFL, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this topic. We'll get into it more because it's a couple weeks away, but NFL Draft Combine, anyone in particular you're excited to see? Jerry Judy is um, my favorite Alabama player, and I know there's realistically no chance he ends up with the Patriots, so I'm just excited to see where that guy lands. You know, he's been talked about as one of the most amazing route runners that, that are going to come in the league. I think so, the, sorry, I got some hiccups there, folks. Uh, I think the uh, player I'm most excited to see, and I don't even know if he'll be ready yet, is Tua. I want to see him throw. I want to see... Because they're saying he could go number three to the Lions. And I think that's nutso because what are you going to do with Matt Stafford? Are you really giving up on him that quick? And if he's going to go that high right now without anyone having seen him run or throw or anything, and I wasn't that sold on him when he was completely healthy, to be honest with you. I've seen him mock to the Dolphins a, a fair amount. But, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what teams like, you know, the Dolphins, the Chargers, and the Panthers do in a transitional period. You know, Phillip Rivers, no longer a Charger. The Dolphins, in need of, of something, um, especially a quarterback. And Carolina, it sounds like Cam Newton is going to be um, on his way out, and they need some fresh meat in their quarterback there, so... The top of the draft's going to be fun. The Patriots are picking at 23, and that's something that, you know, they haven't picked that low on their own in quite some time. So who knows what position they'll go with. You know, it could be a punter. It, it could be a water boy. But I remember back in the day, I used to sit there with a notebook and take notes from the draft combine. Now I can kind of just get some clips from, you know, McShay or Kuiper. Yeah, I think after the combine, you start to get a little bit more clear picture about who could slip and fall and who the Patriots might get if they're really looking for a steal, if they might trade out of that spot, if they might trade up, trade down, depending on what they're looking to do. And that really takes us into the next topic, talking about trading up. What's going to happen with Tom Brady? 
what do I want to happen or what no, do I think I'm saying you've got to you've got to bet every penny you're going to make for the rest of your life from here on out. What's going to happen? Betting everything, the farm. Tom Brady comes back and he signs with the Patriots one to two year deal and he finishes out the career there. I think that money can only do you so much and he's got plenty of that with his hot wife and it's going to come down to what teams can offer him as far as a surrounding talent and a sure thing is getting in the playoffs and the Raiders do not do that folks. The Chargers will not do that. So I think if I'm betting everything, gun on my ball, gun on my head, I'm going with he's going back to the Patriots because he's he's going to eventually save face. He's going to be one of those guys that goes down, um, you know, like Kobe, playing his entire career for the same team. And I think that he's going to do it more so because he knows that's the team that's going to give him the best chance to continue to win championships. I think he ends up there, too. I just think you spent your whole career there. I don't think there's any reason to leave. I know there's talk, well, maybe he wants to see what he can do without Belichick, or maybe they don't get along great. But, dude, this is you can play your whole career here at the end. If you want to be a player personnel guy, you can. If you want ownership in the team, I'm sure Bob Kraft will let you have that. I mean, he's a patriot for life. Yeah, and I think, you know, even though I, I don't think it should, I think it would affect his GOAT status if he went somewhere else and had a poor year or two. You know, this wouldn't be a Peyton Manning thing where he's going to a team that's going to have a number one defense. I think that's a gut feeling, but I don't think that's true because Joe Montana went to the Kansas City Chiefs for a couple of years and he was still the GOAT until Brady won four or five. It didn't really affect his status. In fact, I mean, he took the Chiefs to a playoffs. I mean, he, he was still a solid quarterback then. I just think he comes back. I don't think it makes any sense to leave. Looking over the free agency in general, I started thinking, you know, who do I want the Patriots to sign? And if you're an FBAS and you're not a Patriots fan, I'm not going to name who I think your team should sign. There's there's plenty of you out there. Um, you can name yourself and you can give us your free agency uh, ideas, but you can also give us who your team's picking at the top of the draft because your team sucks. Yeah, but the Patriots are the only team that matters, so let's talk about who they might get. And for me, top free agent I would love to see the Patriots sign. Hunter Henry. I do have him listed down here. You know, he's a guy that has some super potential at the tight end position and I think would be tons of fun. Obviously, we know how much Brady has loved having a tight end as a blankie. And uh, I think with Edelman getting older, with Gronk gone, you need somebody there. And uh, Henry has some real potential. I think he's got the size, the frame, and the speed to be a very, very nice fit with us. And I, th- I think the only problem, though, is that I think with Philip Rivers leaving, I do think that the Chargers franchise tag Hunter Henry, and you don't really get a chance at him. I don't like Hooper from Atlanta as much. If you're the Patriots and, and that happens, what stops you from coughing up two first-round picks, one of them being 23, another one? You know that what you're trying to do is maximize Tom Brady's window in his last year or two. Give up those two first-round picks and go ahead and get yourself Hunter Henry, if if that's what they do. I wouldn't give up one first-round pick for Hunter Henry. Uh, He's great. I think he'd be a great free agent signing, but I wouldn't give up anything to get him other than money. Now, if we're talking trade, though, how about this is my proposed fantasy world trade because there is talk that he's on the outs. The coaching staff doesn't love him. How about maybe a third-round pick for David Njoku? I like him. Uh, I know that he is super athletic. I wouldn't hate uh, giving up the third-round pick in most years. This year, though, we don't have a second-round pick. We gave that up in that awful, awful trade for Mohamed Sanu. So we go from having pick 23 to not having a second-round pick at all to then in the third round. So if we were to give that up for a receiving option who has been great when he's played but has also missed some time, but I will also comment that Cleveland has been the fieriest of dumpster fires. I would I would struggle to, to think that, you know, that's how we're going to spend our draft capital, but I am also the guy that just had to give up two first-round for Henry. Yeah, and I'm thinking just value-wise, because if you do give up those two first-round picks for Hunter Henry, you're not only giving up two first-round picks for Hunter Henry, you're also paying him $15 million a year. David Njoku's making $3.5, $4 million a year on his rookie deal, so it's still a value deal. And the other guy that they had talked about, another first-round pick that was mentioned, I think, last offseason right around the trade deadline was O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay, possibly. Uh, again, Roll Tide, a uh, guy that I think didn't get utilized enough in Alabama when um, they were starting to really use that air raid offense with Amari Cooper in, in that time in college. And then now for Tampa Bay, again, you know, when he does get the ball, he seems to rip it off for 20 to 30 yards, but it doesn't seem to be often enough. He's someone that I would love to see. You know, he's someone that maybe this is biased, but I'd give up the pick for him more so because I think, you know, I I believe in him more. Again, that's probably just drenched in bias because he's a former Alabama player. But I think if we're going back to guys who we don't have to give something up for draft stock wise, A.J. Green. 
guy that essentially took last year off for the trash Cincinnati Bengals team. He came out the same year as Julio Jones, and Julio Jones is a mega star. I'm not saying they're the same player, but a guy who has been an awesome red zone threat, guy who we assume still has it. He took a year off, and it, it, you know they didn't put him on the pup list, so it sounds like he could have been healthy enough to play in these games. They were just being nice and kind of giving him that game-to-game paycheck, but he's a guy that, again, came out that same year as Julio Jones and I think would be a really fun toy to put next to Tom Brady. I think he is a lot older than his 32. I think that he is playing about 50 years old, really. He just looks really old out there. He's slow. He's brittle. I don't know. I just wouldn't really invest with him. Unless he's willing to take a rookie deal. If he takes a rookie deal, I take him all day long. Now, here's a, a little quick hit game I'll do on the, on the free agency. Let me throw this out to you. I will say a name because this is a fun game. People love these types of things. I'll say a name. You give me the team. Where they're going to be next year, 2020 season. Start off, we already got one. Tom Brady. Patriots. Phillip Rivers. Miami Dolphins. Ooh, I think Buffalo. Um, With Josh Allen, you think he's going to be a backup? I oh, think, shit, that's right. I, I think that he could take an opportunity in Miami to go ahead and be, you know, that one to two year stopgap veteran guy for whoever they end up drafting. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was, I don't know why I didn't think of Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen, too. Draftjoshallen.com. Go visit him, man. Yeah, I, I like him. I love the guy. I think that he's my favorite pick in that draft. All right, what about uh, Dak Prescott? I think Dallas tags them. I think that they've struggled enough with quarterback, and Jerry Jones is going to end up coughing up the money. I know that money's going to start running dry there, but I think um, when it comes down to some of the players that they could choose from, they've already put money on Zeke, and I think that they're going to go ahead and put money on Dak. Teddy Bridgewater. Honestly, I think it'd be honest to. I think it would be great to see Teddy Bridgewater go back to the Vikings and take that team back over. You know, we see who's over there right now. Kirk Cousins. Is it Kirk Cousins? Yeah. So, you know, we see him struggle some. Um, we see him get injured. I think Teddy Bridgewater, now that he's feeling better, you know, he got to take some time behind Drew, which I think would be beneficial to anybody. Put him back with Minnesota. I guess there's I only so many starter jobs. I think he is he good enough to be a starter. Yeah, but there's only so many starter jobs. Well, no, like that. There's only so many starter jobs. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the free agent market right now, and there's a bunch coming in the draft. So yep. a lot of guys who are going to sit on the bench. How about Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota? And these guys could end up being backups next year. Yeah, I mean, what boat is going to have, you know, Jameis Winston on it trying to catch crabs? Who knows? Uh, one of the few guys to throw for 5,000 yards in a season. I mean, he's still pretty solid. I know he had 30 interceptions. And he did that cross-side. So here's one for you I was thinking about. Jadeveon Clowney. I'm going to go with the Packers. They always seem to love to sign them a defensive end. You know, they, they like to put money on the defensive line. And I think that the Packers haven't made the playoffs for a little bit of time. Aaron Rodgers is getting up there in age. They're getting a little impatient. I wouldn't be shocked if they throw some money down and, and shore up that defense and Clowney, you know, make some noise and, and make some Lambo leaps. I was thinking, and how about this one? Opposite Nick Bosa and 49ers. That makes a scary DL even scarier. I don't know if they have the room for him because of that time when they had so many top draft picks. They seem to put so many into defensive linemen. You know, you got DeForest Buckner, you've got Joey Bosa, you've got a few other guys who I'm not even sure if they'd have room for him or if they want to dedicate the money towards him because of the guys that they have there. But Clowney's one of those guys that's I don't have a, a definite destination yet. You know, maybe that could play out during the offseason prior to the draft or after the draft, but he's going to get paid. And then I guess we'll, we'll head into a couple of quick hits here because obviously we're running into time. So I, I do want to say happy birthday to John Vincent, the starter of FBAS. JV, co-founder, baby. He's actually the one I ran this idea by. I said, hey, would it be cool if me and Jesse did the FBAS official podcast? He said, let's run with it. When I did the opening music that you guys heard, he said, it sounds good. I had to include Sean Taylor in there for him because he's a Redskins guy. I was going to include Tebow as well. just didn't have enough time for all that. So the, the one other thing I wanted to end on is a little bit of a quick debate, a couple minutes tops. I had a couple hot takes, but I'm just going to go with my favorite hot take. Blazing, burn yourself hot take which is if Jesse was taken aback that I said Mike Trout might be on steroids, my hot take is so is Nolan Ryan. Wow, one of the toughest SOBs in the history of America's pastime. Now, if you could show me another 45-year-old that throws 102, I will retract the statement. But since he's the only one in history, Nolan was juicing. I mean, for pitchers, I don't know if uh, you know steroids was was the only end all be all. Just like I don't know if steroids is the end all be all for for hitters. But was he using some type of substance? Sure. Could that have been pine tar? Yeah. Deer antler. Frog spray. Yeah. yeah but 
I'll go with steroids. On that one, that's my pick. Nolan Ryan, who got 97% of the vote, first ballot Hall of Famer. The same jackasses that won't vote Barry Bonds in, even though he might be the greatest player of all time, at least second. I think Nolan Ryan was juicing. So that's that's my hot take. Feel free to disagree. You'd be wrong. Make sure he hears it for the FBS. I know we have so, so many baseball fans and uh, historians in our group here. You know, we do plenty of drafts that involve us dipping into all the eras. And so I think that plenty of you have opinions on Nolan Ryan's status. So let Wayne have it on that and his other doo-doo opinions so far. I don't really have a fiery take. I just have, you know, one last quick hit. I know we do have uh, some boxing fans. TC, uh, Terrence Hardy, uh, probably being the biggest of them within our group. We do have Fury versus Wilder number two coming up on Saturday night. So for you boxing fans or for you sports fans that are maybe trying to dip your toes back you know, into the sport, maybe give this one a look um, or at least check out the Smack Talk because these two guys certainly do not like each other. And put me on the Wilder side. How? He's going to knock Tyson Fury out in the third round. Wow. I was going to say seventh. I have a Wilder as well, but I have seventh round. He throws so hard that I'm telling you, it just takes one of those babies to connect. And Tyson Fury is a big boy, and he's going to make a lot of noise when he hits that map. All right, well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, we'll try to do this again next week. I'm going to have this thing up and running fairly quickly. And uh, hopefully, like I said, you guys get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Any ideas that you want to hear. I did hit up JV as far as what ideas he wanted promoted on the show as far as FBAS. But any FBAS, guys, what do you want to hear? We'll put it on. We're taking requests. Hey, always vote for our drafts. You know, JV's always posting those. We've got fun drafts going on. If you've always just been, you know, a spectator to those things comment you know you know dip your toe in you know let us let us know um you know how we can be more involved in you know the fbs community and we hope that you guys enjoy this absolutely and definitely when we do our favorite host draft it's a one-man draft so it's gonna be me and then everybody else is just gonna kind of get second place guys 